Welcome to the Diversity at Work podcast, where we unpack what it's really going to take to close the gender gap in the workplace. Here is your host, leadership coach and diversity consultant, Andrea Jansen. This episode is sponsored by Duckish Natural Skincare. I am super excited that they have jumped on board to sponsor the show because I actually know Carolyn Crew, the founder, personally. A couple of years ago, before there was a Reignite Your Ambition coaching program, before there was a workshop, before there was an ambitious everyday journal, I had an idea for an exercise to help people get clear on what drives their ambition so that they could set goals, feel fulfilled, and have something to strive for. So before I could do that, I actually had a group of entrepreneurs that I knew, and I asked them if I could test the exercise on them. So I asked Carolyn, what is the something that you're striving for? What drives your ambition? What motivates you to get up every day and go to work? And she said, 2%. And I didn't really expect an answer like that. And I asked her to explain. And she said that only 2% of women entrepreneurs actually reach a million dollars in annual revenue in their businesses. And that is what motivated her to start Duckish Natural Skincare. They have lotion sticks, lip balm, baby products and bath products. They're really innovative. And my favorite product is their lotion stick. It looks like deodorant, but it's actually lotion. So you just rub it on your legs, you rub it on your arms, your hands, your face. You can even use it as a lip balm. And I love it because it's solid. And when I travel, I can keep it in my carry-on and I don't need to worry about having too much liquid to get through security. And for all of the Diversity at Work listeners, Duckish is offering you 15% off of your order. So you need to head to duckish.ca, that is D-U-C-K-I-S-H dot C-A, and enter the promo code diversity at work at checkout, and you will get 15% off of your order. The way I see it is that if you need to buy lotion anyways, might as well buy it from a women-owned business so that you can do your part to close the gender gap. They ship to the US and Canada, so head to duckish.ca and enter the promo code diversity at work and you will get 15% off. I don't know if you know this about me, but I am from Toronto. I spent most of my adult life up until five years ago living in the west end of the city And I have to say, I love that city. I love the diversity of it. I love the size of it. I love the people there. And I'm super excited to share today's interview with you because I got to sit down with the Chief Procurement Officer with the City of Toronto, Mike Patchelock. And we talked about how the city was looking at their supply chain and realized that it was not representative of the diversity in the city. And they took action. They decided to use their procurement spending to support diversely owned businesses. And some really cool things are happening. They are seeing benefits at all levels of the community, and it sounds like they're just getting started. So this episode brought joy to my heart. It made me feel so proud to be from a city that is really embracing diversity and seeing the benefits ripple throughout all aspects of city life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this interview. So hi, Mike. Thank you so much for coming on the Diversity at Work podcast. I was hoping you could introduce yourself and tell everybody listening what you do. So hi, Andrea. Thanks for having me on your podcast. So my name is Mike Patchlock. I am the Chief Purchasing Officer for the City of Toronto. 
the I oversee uh, about 140 staff who help the entire city procure goods and services um, through different means, um, ranging from things like you know ambulances to construction to office supplies. So we do you know a whole host of different things. Um, my job often involves um, being a rule uh, enforcer sometimes. So uh, my uh, my uh, clients may not always appreciate my uh, helpful advice, um, but I also try to help drive strategy and, and innovation in the procurement process and, and develop new, uh, new policies that can help move the city forward. Awesome. So that's what we're talking about today, this new supplier diversity program that you have. And so we met actually in Halifax. You came to speak to us here in Halifax about what you guys are doing in Toronto because it's pretty innovative it's pretty neat and the other thing i think is really cool is that you have a lot of power you have a lot of purchasing power um in the biggest city in canada and you're using it to make change so i think that's really exciting so i want to kind of take a step back and go back to because you've been at the city for 14 years so you know how it works in and out but take me back to before you had this initiative and tell me what procurement looked like Sure. Sure. So, yeah, I've been with the city for 14 years. I've been in this role since 2012, and that was roughly when we actually started down this path of, uh, of looking into uh, supplier diversity. Um, so, you know, I'll be honest, to start off with, procurement, it's changed, but it, it hasn't completely changed. So, you'll bear with me as we go, th go, go through this and explain to the audience what we're doing. Um, but, Fundamentally, one of the things that was happening back in the beginning, um, there's two parts. One is that we actually have given authority to our divisions to go off and get their own contracts for under $50,000. And all we ask them to do, because um, I'm going to make it sound really easy, uh, is get three quotes. And that's fine. They pick the lowest quote and they, they get whatever good or service they need for under $50,000. And then if they want something more complicated, they would come through us and we would do some sort of competitive process in which we might invite the entire world to provide a, a quote or a proposal. Um, so that was kind of where it started. It was very uh, uh, devoid of uh, understanding who the suppliers were, simply, do you supply this particular thing? Um, you do, great, where do you want to be paid? So that was kind of the, the premise. We didn't really have much in much information on our suppliers uh, beyond that they could do the work. Okay, so then I'm really curious to take a step back about how big the city of Toronto's budget is. Sure, so I probably will get the number wrong. Um, the, city's, the city's budget is, you know, around, I believe it's 13 to 14 billion dollars. 13 billion, okay, yeah. so that's huge. Yeah, and in terms of procurement, we we purchase um, or we go procure about two billion. It's actually been moving above two billion uh, each and every year um, for the last uh, last five years. So we are we are one of the we are the size the same size as Nova Scotia in terms of purchasing power. Okay, wow. So the same size, <laughs> the whole province of Nova Scotia is happening just in the city of Toronto. So this right. sounds, if you are a supplier to the city of Toronto, tell me kind of what that means for a business. 
Well, so, I, you know, it's hard for me to speak for suppliers, but I, what I hope it, it means for them is that having a, a large municipality um, and, a, and, a, and, you know, a particularly well-known municipality would help, help them drive the um, sales for other things that they want to do. Because we are, um, I'm sure people would think of us as being rather, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, difficult in choosing people. So if you manage to get a contract with us, it must mean that we actually value what you're providing. And I think you can, they can definitely uh, leverage that in order to, uh, to get more customers. So I, and um, what I also hope is that they realize how important whatever they provide, even if it's something really simple, how that then feeds into um, the work we do for all the residents and businesses of Toronto. Because that's the one great thing about uh, what I see the work I do is um, I actually support making sure services are going to the, the people of Toronto, the businesses of Toronto, and the visitors of Toronto without, without the purchasing uh, assistance and, you know, we wouldn't necessarily have roads that are uh, being repaired. We wouldn't have our clean water. We wouldn't have shelter system. Um, so we play a vital role to support those divisions. So I would, would hope that businesses would also see that in what, they, what they're supplying to us, how that then goes to help others. That's really awesome. So it's like really about the opportunity to be part of this great, amazing, diverse city, but then also it's that social proof that these businesses will get from dealing with an organization as big as the city of Toronto. And it says, you know what, I could, if I can do it for the city of Toronto, I can do it anywhere, really. That's I right. Think yeah. the opportunity for businesses. And that's really cool. So I want to go back to this diversity initiative. So what motivated you to start this? Because I think you're really innovated in Canada from like a city perspective and from a supplier having these policies. It's, it seems like you're doing something really innovative um, as a city of Toronto. So I want to figure out kind of how this all started. Sure. And, and you're right. The, Toronto is, is the, was the first municipality in Canada to uh, develop this, the supplier diversity program. Um, and in 2012, when, so when I came in, and my background is actually legal, so I was a lawyer for the city who provided legal advice to procurement. So I didn't come into procurement in a, in a normal way. So when I got here, um, one of the things I, I think led me to get this job was that I want to listen and try to solve problems. I don't want to just say no to things. So um, I got here. And Toronto was at the time um, uh, working towards the Toronto uh, Pan Am, Para Pan Am Games, which was happening in 2015. And they had a program uh, in place already to try to get diverse um, suppliers uh, contracts to help support the games. And uh, our city council at the time said, you know, that's great. Uh, the problem, though, is that Toronto Pan Am Games, that'll, that'll leave after 2015, it's done. So we want a program that, uh, can we find a way to make a program for the city that will remain uh, after the Toronto Pan Am Games leaves? Um, so that was, that was part of the start. And then I, one of the, our um, um, divisions called our Social Development Finance and Administration Division, they helped uh, set social policy for the city. They also wanted to find ways to use procurement um, to help reach uh, equity-seeking groups. Um, so they came forward at the same time, and I was, uh, you know, uh, someone who doesn't want to say no to things. I was like, 
okay, this sounds like an interesting problem. Let's figure out how we can make it work. So that's how it, it, it started. It was a direction from, from council. And I think uh, just the right people um, in, in the leadership positions like myself and, and uh, uh, my colleagues in social development finance administration who wanted to take this uh, challenge on and, and drive it forward. I think that's really cool because one thing that you said was you talked about curiosity and I think it's like you being in this role is it sounds like it's it worked really well because I think like you didn't come from a procurement background and I think when you come when you're kind of brought up corporately in one way of doing things it's really hard to be curious because you know how much work it's going to be you know that you know the ship's already moving right whereas you didn't have that background of how things work all the time and you're like yes and then you went in with curiosity and now you are kind of like leading it for Canada so I think I just want to acknowledge that about you because I think that Thanks. really worked to your favor the fact that whoever put you in this job it really set the city up for success and set the city up to be able to embrace this so I think that was really cool but I want to know personally because it does sound like this would be a lot of work like it's complicated there's council there's these groups there's the pan am games so many players in this situation so what kept you motivated to want to stay curious wanting to figure this out uh, i think i i think i generally just um when i actually started in legal and i uh, there was a lot of changes in the city of Toronto act at the time, uh, city of Toronto at the time. And they, and lawyers at the time always said no to things. So thankfully I was just started and they, there was a change in, in leadership there and they, you know, ingrained on me that don't say no to things, just, just go and learn. So I just want, I kept that going. And I think that's the only way to really kind of build bridges um, and, and resolve problems uh, is to make sure that you keep an open mind and, and don't say no, right away, always try to find a solution to the problem. Um, and really, that's what I find procurement is about. It's finding solutions to problems um, in order to achieve uh, the services that, that are needed for, for the citizens. So, and just being in public service, I, like that's been an inherent motivator. Like I've always wanted to um, uh, give back to a community in ways that, uh, and through the work that I've done, um, that kind of started, you know, when I first I thought I'd be a criminal lawyer, but then, you know, world change. I don't, I don't even know how I landed in municipal law, but it worked because I wanted to find a way to make sure that I was uh, keep giving back to, to the community. And that's, um, that's ultimately one of the biggest drivers uh, for me, even to today, uh, especially since, you know, problems never stop. So it can kind of, kind of wear on you, but being, um, uh, being open and being uh, curious and trying to say, you know what, great, it's a new problem, but it's really a new opportunity. Let's figure out how how we solve it. And I really love how you talked about how it started with the Pan Am Games, because I'm from Toronto, so I remember the bid going out. I still live there when that bid was going to, and it was a big deal. And I actually wasn't there for them because I'd moved away, like, right before they came. Oh, yeah. But you talked about it being, it's starting with the Pan Am Games having these, I guess, whatever criteria that you needed to meet in order to win that bid. And they had diversity criteria. So, and I know like you could look at it two ways. And I think you looked at it as an opportunity, but I'm just curious, was there other people that looked at it as a barrier and like, oh, like they're making us like tick all of these boxes just to get the bid? Um, well, I think, you know, uh, 
there was probably some, um, we had some of that within in staff to, to who would actually be, you know, it's one for me to kind of lead it, but I'm not always the one on the ground uh, doing the work, right? So we had a little bit of resistance in terms of um, how would it actually work? Is it is it just a tick the box exercise? Um, and, you know, I listened to those concerns and that's what I brought forward with uh, with my colleagues in, in the social development group um, to come up with, well, how would we, how should we approach this? Um, so when we, we kind of kind of gathered the issues and, and what we thought were going to be roadblocks and said, that's why we actually went back to council and said, you know, the first thing we would like you to give us authority to do is just to go out and figure out how to, how to put this together. Um, give us a couple years um, and then we'll come back and we'll come back with an actual program. So that's, that's actually how we approach it to kind of deal with roadblocks. We said, we want to know what they are. We want to hear what they are. We want to, do pilots to kind of figure out, well, how could we, could we do this to get around something or do we have to do something else? Um, uh, that was, that was our, our motive just to, you know, we knew that there would be issues and people don't like change. So how are we going to get around it by it? And so we figured out, let's do, let's do learning. Let's do actually, I guess, action learning, um, do some stuff, learn what happened and then repeat and, and improve upon it. Okay, that's really cool. I love that you, it's like curiosity. That's your thing. It's literally like every story you're telling me, it's like you're just leveraging your curiosity, this attitude of figuring it out. So I want to talk about all these roadblocks, all this learning along the way. Like what did that lead you to? Uh, well, so one of the first things that for me, you know, I started going to events held by um, the Canadian Aboriginal Minority Supplier Council and, and WBE Canada, so I could like hear from diverse suppliers. Um, and one of the things, so I heard a couple of things when I started going out there. I heard first thing was, we don't need a handout. We don't need you to just hand us a contract. We can do the work. What we are having problems is, is, is getting access to the opportunity. And so I was at first, I was very curious about that. Uh, again, curious about because I was—I didn't know what it, what they were talking about in 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 some ways. Because government procurement, at least over a certain value, we send it out to the world. Like, like literally, we just post it on the website, and anyone and everyone who is interested can can submit. Um, so I was very curious about what like what do they mean? And it took it took a few a few conferences, a few chats to realize. Um, part of what they meant was these small dollar value contracts, which I mentioned earlier. So the divisions who are going to get three quotes, well, they're probably calling maybe the same three people every time, or at least a variation in the themes. And they're not necessarily expanding their uh, frame of reference of who they might be able to contact. So once I realized that, I was like, oh my God, that's, everyone's like talking about a mysterious list. Can I get on this list? I'm like, what do you mean? It's, it's, we invite everyone. I'm like, Oh, it's this, it's under $50,000 that people are using a list. I don't, I'm not controlling the list, but that's the problem. That's one of the problems. So that was, that became one of the, the first things we tried to figure out was like, Oh, how, how are we going to get around people's um, uh, general perception that they're just going to call it people that they know how are we going to do that so we started thinking about okay we'll take a few few of our departments and do some pilots on 
um, if we kind of started making suggestions about, well, here's a, here's a certain certified diverse supplier, like can you can't reach them, reach out to them, see what they say, and see if you can get what you need from them. And that, that, kind of the, that was kind of the impetus for the rest of the program. It started with just doing those types of pilots. So it was really literally just, hey, I found some new suppliers. Why don't you, you gotta get three, so get two what you know, get one from this list that I'm giving you. Yeah, exactly. That's actually what the, the, the premise of the, the policy is now. Oh, that's cool. And so one thing I, th I think that's really cool is that you're focusing on these small contracts because I know you talked about Aboriginal owned businesses and also women owned businesses. And I know that the statistics tell us, I'm not sure about Aboriginal, but for women, they are typically women owned businesses have smaller revenues than men. There's like so many issue reasons why. And that would make sense, right? You don't start off with like a $300 million contract with the city of Toronto, right? Like you're like you're this diverse owned business could potentially grow to that, but you don't want to start going that big, like starting with like a 40 or $50,000 contract would be a good way for these businesses to grow. And it's kind of like they can grow as your supplier as they're serving you. Is that kind of what the mentality was, was on focusing on those $50,000 and under contracts? Yes, it was. And, we, and it, it kind of tied into the fact that the Toronto in of itself as you know, living here is just it, it's just increasingly becoming more and more diverse. And then, you know, as a result, more and more people are starting businesses who are going to be diverse, that they're going to be owned by someone from a diverse community. And so how do we support them? Well, we support them by trying to get them more contracts. We don't want to hand it to them because we want to make sure everyone, the right people get the job. But we got to make sure they have access. You know, that was a, that was a barrier that, that, you know, I realized had to be kind of removed in order to, to help facilitate that. And overarchingly, we, that kind of then ties into the fact that we connected our program in with the city of Toronto's poverty reduction strategy, which on the premise that uh, people who get work, are that's the best tool to get them out of poverty so more more diverse businesses who can get work um studies have shown that they are more likely to hire from that from their own diverse community and therefore we're kind of you know it's an indirect approach but it's a way that builds on uh providing opportunities leading to growth leading to then more employment leading you know leading to better chances for getting bigger contracts that's really cool. So I just want to take a step back and if you could explain these diverse supplier organizations, explain kind of what they are, how you find them. Sure. So that was, that was one of the, at the time, um, uh, when we were developing the Pan Am Games, the, the Canadian Aboriginal Sup Minority Supplier Council, or CAMC, um, was one of the lead um, supplying supply chain uh, diversity organizations uh, out there with uh, with WBE Canada for women entrepreneurs. Um, we we met up with them and they explained what they do. They 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 were they were offshoots from American uh, organizations because in America supply chain diversity is way is far more advanced here than Canada uh, because of uh, the approach they took in you know 50 odd years ago was through legislation federal legislation and state legislation all require uh, diverse uh, like minority con minority targets and, and such. Um, so these organizations developed and we started talking with, the, with them because they at least could help identify to us who was a diversely owned business. 
um, in an easier way than than for the city to try to ask every single supplier, you know, can you demonstrate that you're a diversely owned uh, owned supplier? So these organizations they have programs. Um, there's one for the Canadian Gay and Lesbian uh, through the Canadian Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce. Um, uh, there's another one for there's actually there's six organizations altogether that we that we deal with. Uh, two for Aboriginal. Uh, and then one for um, people with disabilities and veterans. Um, and they're all growing and they all have a reasonably same program in which they go, uh, they ask people for information to demonstrate that they are 51% owned, managed or controlled. Um, it's a, there's a paper review and I believe there's sometimes also an, uh, an audit uh, where they go out and actually verify. And they then certify these, these companies as diversely owned in that whatever whatever um, uh, through whatever organization they go through and then we go to them to understand okay well who who in the area or who across Canada because we're still willing to, to deal with anyone across Canada uh, who is a certified uh, diverse vendor that's cool so it really takes the work out of your hands someone else is doing the work and it's you don't need to really think about it it's just like okay you've done it all right like let's go that's right because you know Nothing's worse than government trying to become more bureaucratic by adding a new process when there's people who are already out there doing it. So let's leverage the good and hard work that they do versus recreating something. Um, that was one of our uh, one of our thought process. That's really cool. Um, so I want to talk about this position of power that you are in because you have all of this purchasing power. You have this initiative that's going to help diverse businesses get contacts with the city. Like, what does it feel like to have all of this and be a part of this kind of movement and this change and this kind of almost this tipping point that you're experiencing in Toronto? Well, I, it's really exciting uh, to be in, uh, in, to be in this uh, position. Um, I, you know, when I started, I never thought I would, I would be helping with something like this, but this is great. Like I know, um, it helps uh, further the city's motto, diversity is our strength. Um, and it's, you know, it resonates with uh, municipalities, whoever I've talked to and, and the governments about like why it, it's kind of like, oh, why haven't, why haven't we thought about this sooner, right? To think about ways um, to help increase the, the competition that they might get on a particular thing. And, like increasing competition is like a baseline procurement kind of goal. You always want to see if you can get um, the right amount of competition in in whenever you're you're, you're looking for something. Uh, it in helps increase uh, in innovation in the product design or services that are being offered, and it helps uh, ideally drive um, sharper pricing. Um, so it's it's great that I that I could you know buy creating a policy, it seems on some level so simple, uh, by creating this policy, I'm helping actually change the course of how um, we're doing business with the city. So that's the incredibly um, fulfilling for myself and um, it's really helpful. I, I, like I really enjoy being able to go tell people that it's actually not super hard to do. Um, I'm not, I won't ever say it happens overnight. Uh, it's still a journey and we're still on the journey. Um, but it's great that I, that I have that capability. It's, you know, like, that's why I was so happy to go out to Halifax and be like, okay, I'll, uh, come out and tell, tell new people about what's going on. Um, like I'll, 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 
I'll, I'm always willing to go out and, and, and help push this forward. Yeah, I love that you just talked about from like the top down to the city, though. It's like literally ingrained in the city's DNA that like diversity is the strength of the city. So what that means in the city, this is what it means here. And actually, at the end of the day, it saves the city money and makes innovation. So it's really about being a win-win for everybody. That's right. That's right. So I'm curious about any case study. So you talked about being more innovative, getting ready prices. Do you have an example of a diverse supplier that's come into the city and brought all these benefits that you could share? Uh, so uh, like, I have, a, I guess I have two that I, or at least one that I can talk about right off the top of my head. I know that um, uh, one of our, one of our biggest um, suppliers uh, that, that's diversely owned, it was a, was a, is a construction company. Um, that's a women-owned construction company. So, can you tell uh, me the name? Uh, I'm gonna have to. I can't remember off the top of my head at the moment. Okay, you can email uh, Gow, me Gow, Gowings. Gow, Gowings. It's Gowings. Gowings. I'll, I'll, I'll double put, check, but double yeah. check, and I'll put it in the show notes so people can look yeah. it up. Um, like they like, I I I won't get I won't credit the program. For their success, they were driving hard in the construction industry. But they were—it was great to, to be able to link. Um, once we started, you know, some data gathering that would link to say, look, our, you know, our, our supply chain diversity is actually bigger than we thought, um, and it—it it shows they can actually get uh, bigger and bigger contracts. And we've had um, uh, we've we've had a few um, smaller contracts that that they're getting picked up regularly. Um, uh, in a, in particular, in the, in the food and uh, catering kind of services um, that help, you know, just helps that they now have a new source of uh, of, uh, of revenue. And um, you know, while we may not be a completely consistent client, but at least someone that will look out for them. And if we need any, uh, someone needs any like support, we're we're there to, to say, hey, you know, they did, they've done a great job. Um, just trying to see, see if I have any others on hand like in terms of like uh, in terms of statistics and you have to you know bearing in mind bearing in mind um that two billion dollars worth of spend we actually have a lot of vendors um we have like four thousand vendors um so and and that's that the number of contracts is even more than that but you know in 20 uh in 2018 we had 478 contracts that were valued at almost nine million dollars. I went to forty-four diverse suppliers, and that was fourteen percent higher than the year before. Um, uh, right, so we're starting to measure uh, that we're starting to see more and more diverse suppliers get opportunities and get uh, more of this of the city's spend. Cool. So I have a lot of questions from my audience, and this one. Sure. Um, actually, talking about how you're measuring things. So Natalie in Ottawa wanted to know what the goals are of this program and how you're measuring them. So if you could talk a little bit more about that. Sure. So it's actually really good to talk about because one of the, one of the, the, the difficulty of being uh, upfront and being a leader is that we're still trying to figure out some of the, some of the nuances. So um, in particular, like when we went to council in 2016 for the, program and to say you know um and i should say like take two seconds to say 
part part of the program is uh, contracts under it's actually moved up to a hundred thousand. You'll we always want to get at least one diverse uh, supplier quote uh, in there, and then over a hundred thousand dollars when we go to the open market and we do uh, like a request for proposal, we'll give we'll give a little bit of marks for someone who can demonstrate that they're a diverse supplier. Or and or that they uh, you know have other ways that they value diversity, including that maybe they have their own supply chain diversity policy, um, or they they hire diversely uh, their uh, their engagement in uh, employees. Um, so the, those are the ways that we're driving it forward. But the, the trouble we thought at the beginning, and one of the worries we had with uh, with council is that we didn't want to set a certain target and say we wanted 25% of our suppliers to be diversely owned or something like that because the program in Canada and the, the amount of diverse suppliers in Canada that have certified is still growing and it's still actually kind of uh, still under a thousand um, diversely owned contracts but you, you've got to think there's way more than that out there um, so part of the part of the goals is to help right now is to help drive um, suppliers who would meet the criteria to the the certifying organizations so that they can get certified and we can help start building out um, the pool. Uh, while at the same time we're going to keep measuring what's happening within their or own organization. We actually measure um, did they did this did our division actually contact um, a diverse supplier? Did they win? Um, if they didn't uh, 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 contact them, why is that? Um, and if they didn't win, what happened? Um, like we're trying to keep track of all those things so we can figure out other ways to improve the program, including including going back to the certifying organizations and saying, hey, you know what? We keep going out for this type of service and you don't have anyone in this area. How do we go out and, and drive suppliers to get certified in this area? So those are things that we, uh, we're, we're trying to do. That's cool. And so this can, and I love how you talk about like, did the diverse supplier win? If not, like that's okay because you still want to give the job to the best company, right? So you want to make sure the best company is getting the contract, not that you don't want to be giving it out just because they're diverse, right? That's, That's right. Plan. Yeah. So you want to make sure. And if they're not like having that feedback, I think as if you're trying to get those big contracts from the city, I think that feedback for a business would be so valuable. So I love that you have that in your process. Yeah. So I had a bunch of other questions from the audience. Um, so Stacy is in Vancouver and she wanted to know about inclusion and kind of like looking at it from an inclusion perspective. And I know you talked a little bit about it when you're doing those $50,000 and under quotes, like we need to be on, like we need to think about including a diverse supplier in that list, but is there any other inclusion initiatives that you could talk about? Sure, so, so now it's actually 100,000, so we moved it up. Um, the other thing we're trying to uh, do, and it's, it's um, it, it's taking more time is just thinking about other ways that um, we might be creating barriers in how we procure. So for example, um, we go out for, we want a, um, a, an architect of some sort, uh, but we're probably, my clients probably want an architect who has like 15 years experience and, you know, 10 jobs that were municipal, 
related. And I'm, this is probably a little bit too extreme as an example, but those things, those kind of requirements, um, even if we said we want a diversely owned supplier, we're just, we're just cutting out the market because if that person needs to, needs to get the experience in order to be able to submit, but they can't get the experience because we put the requirement in, then we're, we're no further ahead. So we're trying to find ways to, to balance um, these, like what we might need to ensure that we're getting the work, that we, the right person to do the work with the fact that we can sometimes be overly risk averse and, and try to push it down to people, you know, only to big firms. So I, you know, even the mayor, the mayor made an announcement yesterday about design competitions with that, that issue in mind where we, we push it too far to the big companies um, and don't let small companies uh, really get in there. And so if we can get our clients to think differently and to think, think uh, about it like we don't even need to specifically start saying you're a certified supplier in this um we just got to give that those smaller companies who are going to be more likely to be certified diverse suppliers anyways the the opportunity um so that's that's kind of from a procurement perspective but the city is always trying to do uh more inclusive uh matters we're trying to make sure we understand our own diversity within the organization um, and making sure that we're removing any barriers with respect to that. And we try to make sure that whenever we're reaching out to, um, uh, you know, the, the community at large, that we're trying to always do, do it in a way that's inclusive of, of all sorts of things. And that's one of the, actually, I should go back and for one of the supply chain um, organizations, um, you know, there was a gap with respect to um, people with disabilities. And so there's now, now an organization who is doing that, um, but they're they're um, they're really young, um, so we want to make sure we're we're helping them so that we can make sure that inclusion doesn't doesn't miss anyone um, in, in in our goals, and and so that's um, uh, what we're doing. And now that I think about it, there is one other aspect which we we really haven't talked about because it's slightly different than supply chain diversity, but it's along the same lines. Um, goes to that uh, goes to in certain contracts we actually require. Uh, the contractor to hire from um, an equity-seeking group. So we try to actually build in a, it's a different type of um, a community benefit that we're looking at where, you know, if they're building a community center in a certain area of the city, they might be required to hire apprentices from an equity-seeking group um, to also help. So we try to find different ways in the procurement process to also build in inclusion um, that will then, uh, again, kind of go to our overarching poverty reduction strategy, find ways to get, get work to everyone in the, in, in the city. That is really cool because the ripple effects, they just keep going. Like I'm sure there's ones that are happening right now that you're not even aware of because of these initiatives that you're doing. That is really cool. So I do have a question from Jane who's in Toronto. So she was asking, what difference does the city believe working with more diversity, diverse companies will achieve? And I think you actually already answered that. It's literally like poverty reduction. It is allowing the city to celebrate that diversity that is already there in the city, like just bring it up to all levels. And I do think that point you said about the bigger, like only asking the bigger companies because they have the experience. It's like, I love how you look at that as a perspective like well why do these big companies have experience because we give them all the contracts and like we're really by doing that like you're shutting out the smaller companies 
but I see the opportunity as like having these diversity policies, you're giving those smaller companies the opportunity to play. You're giving them like a seat at the table that says, you know what, what do you have to offer? Like, what is your take on this? Like what design could you offer? Because it's like that curiosity. It's right. Just because you've been doing the city contracts for 10 years, doesn't mean like you should keep doing them for 10 years, right? Like what would be the possibility if we had a young new designer, like building this community center or whatever it is you're building. Yeah. That like you did a fantastic summary. Um, trying to be, uh, trying to, uh, be more inclusive, trying to give more access, uh, which will help in turn, uh, become, you know, help in turn, re uh, results in more hiring to help reduce poverty. Um, and also to bring in innovation into in the process, whether that's through through services or even goods, like you know, um, and then you know, ultimately, we also we we see it as like the triple bottom line. It's like um, it also improves. It, you know, cost is one thing, which ideally is being improved by more uh, competition. But then we're getting innovation. We're getting benefits back to the community. Um, which could be in the form of uh, poverty reduction or even just their services could have another impact like environmental. So we, we, this policy works with that and that's um, one of the key reasons why we, we wanted to pursue it. It's super cool. So I'm convinced, like, I think this is amazing, but I am wondering if you're getting any pushback from these suppliers, like the big ones, right, that can kind of are counting on your business because they have employees too, like they have um, expectations and are you I'm just curious as to what's going on there um, no we haven't actually seen um, uh, any pushback from from the big suppliers a lot of them um, uh, some of them are actually because they if they if they're big they might already be doing business in the United States and they actually would then be required themselves to to do uh, their own supply chain diversity so some of them actually know um, about this program and some they look at us and, and they look at Canada I guess and say you kind of have to catch up um, because there's actually a lot of there's there's enough work for everyone uh, and they and and if you know you talked about a company that's been here for 10 years I've had you know in other circumstances I've had companies who who tell me that but they've lost the next contract and and I have to say to them like well, what are you? What what does that mean for how you're approaching things? You can't just assume you're going to keep getting the contract. This is why we want to keep driving innovation. Every single time we go out for that contract, you got to make sure that you're showing why, like what you can do better, what you can do better, and driving more more competition, especially with these smaller and more nimble companies, will help push companies. And actually, in theory, will help even the bigger companies learn themselves. Um, so we're not really seeing pushback from there. We do, we do have some pushback from, you know, in, within um, the supply chain, within diverse companies themselves, because the one thing that uh, diverse companies who are going after government jobs, or even I would even say private sector jobs, is that certification is not an instantaneous result in getting contracts. It's still it's still effort. You still have to go through the, the procurement process. You have to learn from the, from your mistakes in the procurement process and you got to be patient. Um, uh, I know I meet a lot of um, uh, companies, uh, small companies who do a lot of uh, HR recruitment and, and work. And sometimes you have to also learn your client because we might not have, um, 
we might not have a big need for that because we have a, a rather large uh, HR department ourselves, right? So you have to, so that might discourage them from getting certification. I like I I would say that they shouldn't be because they have to look broader to all sorts of companies that are, that are starting to move this way. Um, but I know sometimes we get we get asked, "What's the value of the certification if I'm not getting getting the work?" And uh, everything has to um, you have to keep working at it, right? That's my perspective. Like you can't you like, don't give up. I, yeah. So what I think the way I see it is that like you guys, the city of Toronto, like you jumped on, like you're using these groups to fill your list of people, but other companies are going to jump on too, right? You're one of the first. And I think there, there's a bunch of other ones. I know like Accenture Bell, I think Rogers is on it. Yeah. Well. Tell us and a lot of the banks and yeah. then the federal government joined earlier this year. Now, they might be a little bit distracted by an election at the moment, but the federal government was is looking to move in this direction. So that's that's even way bigger than than just the city. Hmm. So it's like you guys are the first movers and really like people are following. And so as like a company wanting to be certified, it's kind of like, are you ready to get in on the ground, on the ground floor? Because that's the opportunity for companies today. I yeah. think kind of five, 10 years from now, it's going to be like, this is the standard. Like you just, it's just what everybody does. And this is kind of, how it works. But right now I don't think it's there yet because you said there's all these companies that aren't certified, but that would likely meet the qualification. So it's just like getting everybody on board, everyone learning at the same time and kind of growing, being on the journey together. It sounds like, and you guys are championing it and you're using your $2 billion budget as a way to make these decisions, which I think is really, really cool. Yeah. And, and, and we're, we're, um, uh, we reach out, we actually have an org, um, uh, what we call our anchor TO. We actually sit with our anchor institutions in Toronto, all the universities and colleges and large uh, government um, agencies. And we've been sitting them where we all talk about, well, how can we do supply chain diversity? How can we do community benefits? So we're trying to make sure that anything that, that Toronto learns, we're educating everyone right away to be like, hey, this is how it's working for us. Um, you, you know, you might what we have this problem do you have a have you heard of this have you do you have a solution we try to work together and try to keep driving uh supplier diversity and other forms of community benefit programs uh in procurement forward so um we definitely uh envision to your point like in five to ten years that this is going to be this is going to be way uh the like the, the just the normal course of doing business yeah, that's cool. So I have one last question, and this is from Marguerite. She's in Kingston, and she was super excited about the work that you're doing. So she said, congratulations to the City of Toronto for recognizing diversity in the procurement process. But she was wondering, and you talked about this already a little bit, she was wondering what your strategy is for developing a more diverse source list. So you talked about these organizations can give you certified companies, but then you talked about all these companies out there that aren't certified. So how are you able to get the word out to those companies? Uh, so, so we, we do events with, um, um, with all the supply chain organizations, uh, the certifying organizations where we go out and, and, and try to basically spread the word. Uh, we've done reverse uh, trade shows where we've brought vendors, diversely, uh, diverse vendors, some who've, re some who've certified and some who are thinking about it um, to come in and actually start meeting people in the city to understand how we how we might do business what kind of contracts we might be looking for so it's not just 
staff from from my my organization it's from across all our departments because sometimes you really need to un talk to the, the people on the ground to really understand so we, we try to use those mechanisms to um, uh, to help improve the certifying um, certified list um, we also try to identify where we have gaps and we when the next one of our next phases of, of approach to this is actually making more targeted um, uh, sessions for for areas where we see gaps with the with the supply chain organizations and then when we're doing a particular procurement um, we, we do grab the entire um, all the certified lists that we have we actually put them all together um, and we'll search against them to see make sure that maybe someone hasn't um, signed up on our on our system to get notified of, of, of events and we'll try to see where we can make sure that hey did you hear about this one um, actually one of my one of my uh, social procurement coordinators that's what she does uh, every week she checks what we posted she checks against our, 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 our supplier list and she just she makes sure that they knew that it was there because sometimes we also appreciate the businesses you know you get lots of emails I get lots of emails sometimes we miss things so you know we try to find ways to make sure people are aware of what of what's going on here at the city. how do people get on this list so that they can be aware of kind of like what's happening in the city Toronto how they can pitch for this work so it's not it's they just need to come to the city of Toronto's website uh, under doing business with the city um, we have a link to our vendor registration system we're kind of in a transition mode where uh, we're trying to move to a completely new platform but um, we're so in the next year we're kind of uh, in this transition zone but you can sign up through our through our website um, to be notified of things, um, and then as we uh, 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 and ideally uh, the problem is, you know it's not a problem um, you'll get more emails that's for sure and you'll have to work they'll have to work their way through it to make sure that it's things that they want but we give access um, to all our all our procurements in a way that you can determine what you want if you want to participate or not in advance so you don't have to buy anything. Uh, in advance before you know you want to participate you can just read it and kind of go oh this is something I can do or this is something I can't do for whatever reason um, but it's actually pretty straightforward it's just you know it's just lots of emails so this for the big ones or is this for the ones that are a hundred under a hundred thousand this well? will be for the big ones um, for the ones under uh, under thousand um, the best way to uh, if you if you if you're not a certified diverse supplier or you're considering to become one one of the best ways is actually to reach out to myself or to my social procurement coordinators and we try to help explain how the process works. Um, we actually also run monthly um, uh, sessions on how to do business with the city um, and we can explain how how to uh, how we go um, create those lists, um, where you should go in terms of being certified and that way you'll be automatically, if you get yourself certified, you automatically get added to our diversely, or diverse supplier list uh, internally. Okay, so how do people go to one of those how to do business with the city sessions? Again, if you go to the, the website uh, for the city of Toronto, then you'll there'll be a link to uh, sign up for how to do business with the city. Okay, perfect. 
And so I always like to encourage people to take action within 24 hours of learning something new. So we talked about it for people who want to be a diverse supplier, they can go to the website and just kind of sign up for that how to do business with the city. I think that's the best first step for people. But I'm curious what you would recommend the first step be for someone who's working at a big organization like yours that does not have a supplier diversity program, but wants to get started. So what's the best thing they can do within 24 hours to, to start taking action? Sure. So uh, there could be, I think, two things. One, one is, one is to, to either reach out to organizations that they know that have a program like the City of Toronto or to one of the supply chain organizations and just start getting some information. You, like, once you start seeing who's doing it, um, it's, you can make easy contacts to learn about what the value proposition is. Um, and the other thing you really, uh, I think, would be really helpful for any organization is make sure you have someone championing it uh, in a senior leadership position. So maybe that person needs to gather some data to convince someone. Um, but once you have someone who will champion it, uh, it usually goes much smoother. Oh, um, I think that's the action I would want people to take. So either if you're in the senior, if you are the senior leader, like champion it and like start going, reach out to those people. But if you're not look for someone that can be the champion and start talking to them. I think that's yeah. amazing. That'd be a great action. Yeah. It, it, it really helps make, make it go much smoother once you have um, some, uh, a really good change champion on this. Awesome. This was such a great interview, Mike. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you very much. It was awesome. It was my first podcast, so I'm very happy to have done it. Awesome. And I am really excited about Toronto. I love Toronto. I spent most of my adult life there. So I'm really excited that this is happening. So I can't wait to see what's next. And you could probably come on again in a year or two and we can kind of like assess what's happening and see um, and celebrate the progress that you're making. Sure. That'd be a fantastic. Awesome. All right. Thanks very much, Andrea. Before you go, I wanted to tell you about my brand new Ambitious Everyday Journal. It's actually a PDF and it is totally free and it's a process that you can do over nine days that will help you figure out what ambition means to you and help you set goals that are aligned with your ambition so that you can feel fulfilled, you can feel like you wanna do the work to make those goals happen. And this is actually the same process that I walk all of my clients through. So you know those clients that are bringing in $25 million deals for their company, clients that are going out and negotiating themselves $15,000 raises, this is where where they all started in this exercise that I call what drives your ambition. So if you want to get your hands on that, head to andreajansen.com forward slash journal and grab yours today. Hey, if you're still listening to the podcast, if you've made it this far, I would probably assume that you're getting some value out of these weekly podcasts. And I would like to ask you a favor. If you could take a minute to give me a review on iTunes. So click on the podcast, give me some co comments, give me some feedback because that helps spread the word about the Diversity at Work podcast and it helps to build more diversity champions and get people learning, get people curious about what it's really gonna take to close the gender gap. And after you've done that, if you still have some time, you could take a screenshot of the podcast and post it in your social media. That can help spread the word as well. Thank you so much.